great to be together in God's house. It's great to be able to, uh, to come together and worship him. It's been a great morning already. And uh, as we continue to say to him be the glory in all things, that really is the perspective that we're having uh, throughout this month, but also just as the church, as followers of Jesus, this should be the perspective that we have on all things as it is. And, you know, God's plan... Um, doesn't always uh, work out maybe the way that we think it should. We don't always see his end game. Um, we have a tough time with that. A lot of times uh, because of uh, our struggles with selfishness, our struggles with sin, um, we have a tough time seeing uh, his plan. And it's really tough to pursue this when we're struggling in, in the areas of, uh, of sin and we let those things uh, get in the way of giving him all the glory. And it's something that we're all going to struggle with because we're all sinners and we all need Jesus. And we've all been through a lot. The last couple of years, we've all been through a lot. Um, as a church, we've been through a lot uh, the last few years as we're close to being able to turn the page and to open uh, the multi-purpose center next week at 11 a.m. We're going to have a grand opening and it's going to be an awesome thing. And we give him the glory for all of that. And that's what we're going to do next week as well we meet in the parking lot at 11 a.m. to uh, open the building and dedicate the building to the Lord, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and so I hope that you're planning on being there for that. For our online audience, we're also going to be uh, live streaming it as well. Uh, so we want everybody that's part of the Connect Church family to, to feel like they can be there and be a part of it. Um, but, you know, we've been through a lot. We've been through a lot of change. Everybody's been through a lot of change over the last couple of years, and if there's anything that we know is consistent and is going to stay consistent, it's the idea of change, <laughs> that uh, things are going to continue to change. Um, and as much as we want to say maybe we're almost there, um, I don't know how much we, we really can or should be saying that, because while that may feel like our mantra in a lot of ways as humanity over the last couple of years, as followers of Jesus, this should be our battle cry. This should be our mantra um, that we are saying in all things to him be the glory. And so we've been going through Ephesians chapter 3, the book of Ephesians, and, and we've been looking uh, through that entire chapter. Um, and as a quick recap, Ephesians is, is a letter that was uh, written to the church in Ephesus by the Apostle Paul. And a lot of times his letters, he had specific reasons for writing the letters. And this one, he wasn't addressing any heresy or anything like that necessarily. He was really trying to encourage the church. And he was trying to also give them some practical things uh, within there. And so the encouragement, the emphasis on the dignity of the church and the, uh, and I guess the, the entity uh, of it, the divine institution that God uh, ordained as the church and his purpose in it, um, is a lot of what Ephesians is about. And so as we've looked through Ephesians 3, let me just recap a few things real quick here. Um, for the first few weeks, we, we talked in the first week about how there is growth in the waiting and how many times when we feel uh, like we're just sitting around and waiting or the, the plans that we have have not really come to fruition and, and it almost feels like we're in a prison. And if we take a step back and realize that there is purpose in our prison sometimes, uh, especially with God, that, that he's got a reason that maybe we haven't taken a step forward in, in certain areas where we feel like we're locked up. And right in, in the middle of all of that should be our confidence in the Lord um, because we should be confident in the fact that his glory is linked to, uh, to the church, and that is you and me. That is the people. Um, and as we approach the completion of this building project that we are uh, very close to, to completing, we need to remember the fact that your story 
is Jesus building project. Well, as much as we can talk about the brick and mortar and all that stuff, and that's great, but the real building project that Jesus is working on is you individually and us as the church collectively. That is his building project, and that's an amazing thing. And last week, we saw a little bit of, the, of that coming together in Mission Akron, uh, as Travis was talking about uh, the way that the gospel really brings unity and the unity of the gospel. And boy, if there's, if there's one way to describe God's end game for his building project, it would be the idea of unity and for us to come together as the body of Christ. And that's a lot of reason why we have said from the get-go that it is more than a building because it's the mission that is at stake. And so let's continue here. We're going to continue this chapter and we're actually going to end this chapter here in, in Ephesians chapter 3. And as we do, I want you to hear this for what it is because we're going to read this, this whole uh, few verses here together and then we're going to break it apart. But this, these last few verses are, are, could be considered a benediction. Um, a benediction is, is a big word for basically like bestowing a blessing on, uh, usually at the end of a, of a passage or as things come to a close. Paul does this often in his letters as he closes uh, his letters and even certain sections of his letters, he'll end with a bit of a, of a benediction. But the, these verses are so great in the way that they wrap everything up. And I believe as, as we've been moving forward as Connect Church, these verses have really been um, our mantra in many ways, especially verses 20 and 21, as you will see. So let's read these together here in uh, Ephesians 3, 17, B through 21. By the way, when you see B, that wasn't a typo. That means it's the second part of the verse. Um, if you ever see that and wonder why that's there sometimes. There you go. It says this, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we continue in this worship service, Lord, as we continue in this time together as the body of Christ, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue to move over this place. Lord, that you would open our eyes to maybe something that, that we need to see, that we need to understand from you. Jesus, we want to give you all the praise, and so we say together to him, be the glory. We love you in your name. Amen. So there are some things that uh, are really hard to understand sometimes. Some things in this world that happen, and there's some stuff that you see that you're just like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Like, for example, did you know that Canada actually eats more mac and cheese than any nation on the planet? Right? I don't believe it. They have never met my son, because I believe Wilson eats more mac and cheese than any other nation on this planet. Fight me on that. Um, yeah, it's, it's true. Um, yeah, I, f I find that hard to believe. And you look at that and you're like, man, that's unbelievable. But it, I, I, I mean, I guess it's not. Um, here's, here's a fun one. Uh, did you know that Lake, is that what it is? Lake Superior, yeah, Lake Superior State University in, in Michigan offers a unicorn hunting license. <laughs> I am 100% serious. Google it. They offer a unicorn hunting, it is legal to hunt unicorns 
in the state of Michigan. And you know what? Last year, they actually found one when Ohio State beat us for the first time in like 10, or, you know, Michigan beat us for the first time in like 10 years. They found, they found a unicorn, apparently. Um, but, sorry, I couldn't help it. That is true, though. Google it. Um, here's a fun one. Um, the British Secret Service actually hacked Al-Qaeda's website a few years ago, and they replaced bomb instructions with a cupcake recipe. <laughs> that is unreal right? You're like, really? You do that? I mean, okay, here's me. If you can hack their website, why is it still up? <laughs> Take the website, like, okay, proof of concept, cool. Take their website down. <laughs> um, that's unreal. I don't get it. Did you know that a snail could sleep for three years? Who figured that out? <laughs> a snail can sleep for up to three years. Yeah, my wife and my daughter are like, I, I think they could probably give a snail a run for their money on that one if they were allowed. Um, yeah. Uh, did you know that cows actually moo with regional accents? This is, this, this is what the Google said, right? Cows apparently... So I was in New York a few weeks ago. We went to Cooperstown, and uh, I did not run into any cows who were like, hey, moo. Yeah. Forget about what I'm doing. Moo. You know, like I just, I don't see that. I, I haven't heard that. I don't know. Um, this one might be my favorite though. Vending machines. This is true. Vending machines are bigger threats to humanity than sharks. Statistically speaking, you are twice as likely to be killed by a vending machine than you are by a shark. So I don't know if Discovery Channel is going to flip to like vending machine week. Um, that I don't. It seems like it'd be a good idea. Listen, there are there are things in this world, and those are funny and somehow true. Um, but there are some things as well that I know are, have happened in your life that you've seen, that you've been a part of. Stuff that we see in the in you know in the newspaper. Stuff that we see that that's happened even in the last couple of days that we're like, I just don't get it. I don't understand this. And there are definitely some things that we don't understand in this world that are unbelievable. But let me tell you one thing that I still have a really tough time understanding, that I have a tough time believing, and that is the love of God. I don't understand fully the love of God. When we really take a step back and think about it, when you really think about the love of God in, in, a, in a real deep way, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't have the power to grasp that on my own, not without the filter of Jesus. And he is the one that helps us to grasp it at least as much as we possibly can. Because here's the thing, there is one category of people, sinners. All of us fall into that category of people. We all fall in the category of sinner. Yet he loves us. And yet he still loves us. He still sacrificed his son for us. He made a way for us to be restored and redeemed. And I really have a tough time getting that because I know me and you know you and you know some other people that have done things and know their story and their background. This is really hard to understand if we're being honest. The love of God to, to really go, boy, the, the, the sense of of, of worth, maybe, starts to bog us down. And, and it gets even better. Because in Ephesians 2, 6, 
Jesus actually takes it a step further. It says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. For real? Like, I, I, don't, I don't get that. Why? I, we don't deserve that. We don't deserve that. We can't do anything to earn that. See, God dealt with us in Christ and now he sees us in Christ. Wow. Because I can't see you that way. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not smart enough. I'm not holy enough. All the, I, can't, I have a really hard time with that. And so do you, if you really think about it. But the fact that God sees us this way, his love is unbelievable. But because of that fact, we end up finding ourselves as the church when we serve him and live for him and we live that out for him, we can unintentionally fall into this place of doing that out of maybe what you would call duty or responsibility. They're like, this is, this is my responsibility. Isn't that my responsibility to do that? Isn't that how I'm supposed to live? And there is some truth to that. There is absolutely some truth to that, but that's not the posture that he wants us to have. We, we should want to serve him. We should want to serve him. Not, not do it because it's, it's what we're supposed to do, right? When, when that turns from a demand into a delight, because we can unintentionally think that God is demanding these things of us. We fall into that place. But when that demand turns into delight, that's an incredible thing. That, that's, that's where we want to be. And, and the book of Ephesians actually helps us to, to get there as, as best as we can. But you know what? We, we want the practical stuff. We look at it and we go, we, we think I'm doing this and this and this and I'm earning favor. And we don't say that out loud. And we may even theologically understand what I'm saying, that that's wrong. But we do that anyway. And see, in, in verse six here, it, it says that we're, we're seated with him in the heavenly realms. And that he has, he has raised us up. And so we need to think about this in reverse order. We need to think about this in reverse order because according to scripture, we're already there. It's that already, but not yet. Right? God is seeing us as already there with him. And that's an incredible thing. That's an amazing thing that we need to lean into. And that idea, listen, that informs the why of the church as opposed to the what. See, the why behind the what is so much more important. It's so much more important. See, we can talk about the what all day. All the live long day, we can talk about the what. We can come up with all kinds of events and, and activities and conferences and um, game nights and whatever. Trust me, we can do that all day. I could sit here and talk to you about that stuff all day. Been there, done that. And we are gonna do some of those things where we've been saying, hey, we're almost there and we'll get the bill and all that. But man, the why behind the what is so much more important. So much more important. It's the reason for it. The why matters so much more because the why is to connect people to God in a culturally relevant way. See, connecting with God is equivalent to connecting to the church. God ordained the church, the entity of, of people, his, the body of Christ. And so connecting with God it's the equivalent to connecting with the church. It, it must, like this statement must be true. Because of the love of God, it's, 
the why is to connect people to Jesus and his unbelievable love for us that is immeasurably more than we can imagine. And so to connect to each other, to connect to community, and, and through that we find our purpose in him. There is a world out there that is just dying for community. People want that community so much more than they even did. Some of it, yeah, you could blame COVID, I suppose, but, but I think there's way more to it than just that. People are, are really wanting that community together. And how? How do we do that? Or with what? The church. The body of Christ. That's, that's the how. That's God, God's ordained how. And so with that in mind, all that set up, let's go to our text. Let's go back to our text here in Ephesians three seventeen. And I just want to look at the first couple of verses here that we looked at. It says this. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. That's, that's, a, that's a unity statement right there in itself. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may, may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, Paul's even going, I, I don't get, I don't understand it. I can't get it. This is the best I can do to explain it. This is the best I can do to explain it here because we can't really comprehend the width, length, and depth, and height of God's love. But you know where you can find it? You know where you can find a way to comprehend it every single time? See, we look for it all over the place. We look for it in different places. And we truly find the best example of this at the cross. At the cross. We find it at the cross. See, Paul knew that it was because of that that that's what transformed his life and the lives of everyone that, shared, that he shared the gospel with and that heard it. They saw the light of Jesus through the broken vessel that was Paul. And the same can be said for all of you, for all of us as his body. The world can see the light of Jesus through our broken vessel because we are all broken vessels in some way, shape, or form. So to come to an understanding of the dimensions of God's love, we, we have to come to the cross. And the cross pointed four ways. If you think about it, the, the cross pointed four different ways, and that's what Paul is, is laying out here. But essentially, in every direction, it's pointing. But to every dimension and, and reality of existence, because here's the thing, it really speaks to God's love. Because God's love, it is wide enough to include every person. God's love is wide enough to include every person. And it's long enough to last through all of eternity. So it's wide enough to include every person. It's long enough to last through all of eternity. It's deep enough to reach the worst sinner. We all try to put a level of sin on people, don't we? Oh, they're worse than me. I'm, we play the compare game, whether we want to admit it or not, we do it. But God's love, it's, it's deep enough to reach even the worst sinner. In fact, I would even say that in, in God's vocabulary, the phrase worst sinner isn't really there because sin is sin is sin. And it's high enough to take us to heaven. God's love is all these things and so much more. And it's just another reason why we say to him, be the glory it's why we say to him be the glory. We can know God's love in a way 
that surpasses knowledge. See, as he was talking about, he's like, it's more than just knowledge. It's more than just having this intellectual understanding. The biblical concept of, of knowing is not even so much like, do you understand it mentally? It has so much more to do with our experience. They say you've never really learned something until you've taught it. I've heard that before. And I would actually say that there's a lot of truth to that. The best teachers are the ones who have experienced and experienced the knowledge that they have in a real way, in a tangible way, because you can't fake that. You can tell when somebody's trying to teach you something that they really don't know. It's pretty easy to see through that. See, we're to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and our strength. And part of loving the Lord with our mind is to study him, sure. That's absolutely a thing. Part of, part of loving him is to study him and to study his word and, and to understand him and to understand his ways better, absolutely. But this statement in verse 18, it's not, it's not really about that. It's not about the intellectual knowledge because there's more to a relationship with God than just mental acknowledgement. Because you don't just know God and his love, you experience it. You experience it. We, we must experience the love of God for us to be filled, as, as, that, as the scripture said there, with the fullness of God. And that transforms us from the inside out. Think about that. We can be filled to the brim with the love of God. Some of you have maybe been in a place where you've felt that as you walk with the Lord and, and you've experienced that. We get to know him more. We get to know his love and his grace so much more and we're filled to the brim as it says there. And that is what changes lives. That is what changes lives. Not the stuff. It's not the, it's not the what. It's the why. That's what changes lives. It's what changes our life. And, and, and if he's changed your life, then you know what I'm talking about. And if, and if maybe you haven't been changed by that, maybe you, you don't, you're like, I, I'm not totally sure what, what that means. Maybe you haven't experienced truly the love of Jesus. See, if you don't have a before and after story, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should, at, at, in some way, shape, or form, have your own version of a before and after Jesus story, the before and after factor. That should be there. And if, and if maybe you don't have that after story, I would ask you to maybe consider the possibility that you're still experiencing the before. And what would it be like if you would actually allow the love of God to come into your life to experience the after? You've probably experienced counterfeit love from various places. We, we look for that as humans. We look for love in various places, from all kinds of spots. And maybe you've looked for that and you've experienced that counterfeit kind of love and it seems great at the time, but you realize it just all falls flat because it's nothing compared to what you truly find at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's keep reading. Verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. If that doesn't sum it up. See, notice he says in the church. 
That's an intentional statement there. Connecting with God is the equivalent to connecting with the church. And the thing is, just when you think that God has reached his limit, he can do so much more. He can do so much more. He blows right past your limit. And if we're saying to him be the glory, then we see his overwhelming outpouring of love and power in ways that we cannot understand. As a church over the last couple of years, we have definitely seen that. Just in the last couple of months, we have seen that. He is so much more than we can imagine. Jesus can do immeasurably more. Don't put God in a box. He invented the box. Jesus can do immeasurably more. You can ask for every good thing that you have ever experienced. He can do immeasurably more than that. You can ask for things that you haven't experienced. You can ask for things that, that you have no real understanding of that are beyond your experience, beyond your knowledge, beyond your pay grade. He can do immeasurably more than that. All the things that you can imagine beyond your abilities, he can do immeasurably more than that. And when we, as the church, when we truly, truly understand this, we walk with God, we walk through God's, uh, it, into his eternal purpose that he has for us, the purpose that he has for us here. He will be glorified and the church will then fulfill its responsibility, which is simply this, to glorify God. See, we think our responsibility, we think our, our duty, our mandate is these things. But can I tell you that really the only mandate and responsibility that we have as the church is to glorify God. And everything else is a trickle-down effect from that. If we start with, to him be the glory, everything else falls into place and is a trickle-down effect from there. And when our understanding of that comes full circle, when we come full circle on that, we can't help but to glorify him in all that we do. It will be our natural response. We can't help it. We won't be able to help it. It's why every week when we're here together, gathering during worship time, there comes a point during worship, I would hope for each and every one of us where we just basically are saying to him be the glory in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's with the posture of our arms, with, it, with, with how we're singing, whether it's the posture of our heart, whatever that ends up looking like in our own way, shape, or form, every week we get together and we say to him be the glory, knowing and understanding the love of God as best as we possibly can because as the church, our response is something that we shouldn't be able to help but to glorify him. And when we get together in the parking lot next week, the focus will be all on giving Jesus the glory because he's the only one who can take any praise or honor for anything that has been done. And so the connection point for the day is very simply, to him be the glory. Because there is no other response that makes any more sense than to say, to him be the glory. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ is the way that Paul put it. Because our only response is to give him glory, especially here in the church. Especially as the church, the body of Christ, as his people, as his redeemed, as the ones that he loves more than anything. His favorite thing is you. People, people matter the most to God. 
and that he receives the glory and that glory throughout all time and without end. Amen? Will you stand with me? And as you do, I, I want to ask everyone to bow their heads because we're going to end with worship and we're going to say to him be the glory. And as we do end with worship, I, I don't want to miss the opportunity to give him praise, absolutely, but, but to give an opportunity for those maybe watching online or for some of you here that maybe haven't experienced the love of God completely and fully. Maybe you felt like, I, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I don't, I've done this, I've done that, I, I, I can't, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. God does, he loves you anyway. He sent his son to die for you anyway. No, I don't get it, but I know that it's free and I know that he loves you more than you can imagine. And he wants to do immeasurably more in your life than you can imagine. If you want to know more about having a relationship with Jesus, I'm not, I'm not trying to get you into religion. I'm trying to get you to understand the relationship with your creator that you can have right now. Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would continue to move through this place. Jesus, I pray that you would you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. I pray that if there's someone here that has not really experienced the love of Jesus, that they've just heard all the things, they've heard all the stuff and it just really hasn't landed in the right way. God, I pray that they would experience your love in a new way right now in this place because you can do so much more than we can even imagine. Father, I pray that for those of us that, that maybe at times put you in a box, Lord, I pray that we would take a step back and remember about your love and how truly incredible and amazing it is. Jesus, we want to give you all the honor and praise because you are the only one that deserves it. Father, we say to you, be the glory in Jesus' name. <laughs>